This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Today, we have a fun topic. And it is the topic of pregnancy. We're going to answer all of your burning pregnancy-related questions. And this is sort of to celebrate the fact that I am actually entering my third trimester the week that this podcast goes live. So right now I'm 27 weeks as we're recording this, which some parts of the internet say is the third trimester, but other parts of the internet say it's 28 weeks. So the week that this goes live, I'm going to be 28 weeks. So I'm officially in my third trimester when you hear this, which Jesse, pretty crazy. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) On the one hand, it feels like I've been pregnant for a long time. Maybe time has flown for me. I don't know what your problem is. (laughs) But on the other hand, really, truly, it has felt like time has flown. And I'm one of those people that I don't exactly enjoy a lot of the parts of pregnancy, the nausea, the, I mean, I can't imagine who would enjoy the nausea and the sickness and the fatigue and the achiness and the pain and all the different things surrounding pregnancy. I know some women, they just love being pregnant. I love birthing babies and having the baby and raising kids, Mm -hmm. but the actual pregnancy part is not something that is really enjoyable for me. And so the fact that the time has, for the most part, felt like it's gone by pretty quickly has Mm -hmm. been a real blessing. And right now it feels like time is going by very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful because a lot of times in my three previous pregnancies, it's felt like when I got to the tail end of the pregnancy, time just drug on and on and on. And it felt like 
those last four weeks or mm-hmm. four months. Well, your second semester traditionally is semester, semester, trimester, whatever <laughs> has always been your best trimester. You got three to choose from. So yes. And you intend to go back to feeling sick like you did in the first trimester when mm-hmm. you hit the third trimester. So it will be interesting to see if it plays out that way this time. Yes. So we'll wait and see, but right now I'm doing so well and very grateful that time is going by quickly. But we have a lot of questions that I have collected that you have asked that we are going to answer and I can't wait to get to those. First, let's start the show the way that we always do with talking about what's saving our life this week. And I am bringing an aromatherapy body wash, which feels like kind of a departure from a lot of the things that I share. But this is the Aromatherapy Sleep Body Wash from Bath & Body Works. Caitlin and Catherine are very into Bath & Body Works right now. And I've never really been into that store. I mean, I've been in that store, but I've never been into that store, if that makes sense. But because they love shopping there, we've been there a few times in the last few months. And Caitlin was like, mom, you should try this aromatherapy line. Well, two times ago, they had the large bottles of the aromatherapy sleep body wash on sale for $7, which is a lot less than they usually are. And so kind of on a whim and kind of different than I usually am. Actually, that was right before I found out I was expecting. So now it makes sense why I would go out on a limb or on a whim and do something kind of crazy. But I picked up the body wash, paid $7 for it, and really, really loved it. Okay, this is interesting. So you really love it, and you bought it right before you realized you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. Usually what happens is you try to use something that you get early on in your pregnancy, and you can't have it the rest of the pregnancy. So that's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how... It affects me after the baby's born because I always have underlying nausea now pretty much most of the time. And, but I did notice the other day when I was using it, the smell did kind of bring back the intense nausea feelings, but I, I love how it, it it is, it just makes me feel relaxed and it makes me feel like I'm really pampering myself. So when they had the sale Again, recently, I can't even remember what their sale is. The annual, semi-annual sale. Caitlin would be very disappointed that I don't know the exact wording of it, but I bought another one because it was on sale um, at a great price. So that's what I've been loving. And we will link to that in the show notes. What do you got for us today, Jesse? Well, I've got, I've had two pair of black pants that I've worn for the past, what? 18 years. (laughs) 10 years. (laughs) And one of those pair of pants, the pockets are all ripped up. So I went ahead and bit the bullet and bought a different pair to kind of uh, take the place of that pair that I just finally threw away. And these were athletic. They were athletic pants. pants, pants. Yeah. Clarify that. And they were really comfortable. I'd never been able to find any like it that were, because they, they were an Under Armour brand. And I don't remember where we got it from, but I don't know if they discontinued that type or not. But Was that I, a store that's gone out of business, I'm sure, because you bought them so no, long ago? Yeah, no, I'm just it, joking. Could have been, yeah. Um, but anywho, I went ahead bit the bullet and uh, got some joggers off of Amazon. And these are really comfortable. And you 
I don't think you've ever had joggers. No, I dissed them for a long time. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of joggers. I love joggers. And you kind of made fun of me for being, I don't know, like a millennial or something to wear my joggers, but welcome to the club. They're very comfortable. They're so comfortable. And we will link to them in the show notes. As far as what we're reading, Jesse, I know that you have recently finished a book. Mm -hmm. I finished up that Hunter Killer book, finally, and started up a new book, The E-Myth Real Estate Investor, which I think I- It's something different. I think I talked about it earlier, but I put it on hold while I read something else. And so you've read other E-Myth. Yes, I've read- Because it's a series. There's a series, right? Yes, this particular one is a series based on an occupation, an industry. So I read the law firm version back here 10 years ago, and I read the previous for the E-Myth Revisited, which these sub-series is based on. I read that probably a year before I read the law firm one. And you would recommend them? I highly recommend them, yeah. Well, I will look forward to hearing your thoughts as you go along. And read the book and Hunter Killer. That was the name of the other book. And you really enjoyed that book. Yeah, I did. So we'll link to both of those in the show notes. And I know you talked about Hunter Killer. Was it two episodes ago? I think you talked more about Mm -hmm. it. So people can go back and listen to that. My book is The Whole Brain Child, 12 Revolutionary Strategies to Nurture Your Child's Developing Mind. And Jesse, you have already heard me talk about this book so many times as I've been reading it. You know, a book is good if I have to talk about it with almost every single person that I am with. And this is one of those books. It was actually recommended to me by one of our kids' counselors a few years ago. And I picked it up and bought it with great intentions and never read it. So then I think it was about two months ago one of our kids' therapist said, have you read The Whole Brain Child? You really should read it. And I took that as an indication. It's about time that I read it. If the counselor and the therapist both recommend this one book to me, and it was the only book that either one of them, I believe, recommended. And so I love it. It's not from a Christian perspective, but I have found so many different practical applications, so many aha moments throughout it, and just the fascinating perspective of the fact that we can actually rewire our brain and help our kids learn how to wire their brains in a healthy way. I just, I I think that's kind of mind-blowing, no pun intended. I have to read this quote to you. I'm actually probably using this in my book, but I have to read it on here because I just keep reading it to everyone. This is from page 98 and 99. When we direct our attention in a new way, we are actually creating a new experience that can change both the activity and ultimately the structure of the brain itself. Here's how it works. When we have a new experience or concentrate on something, say on how we feel or a goal we'd like to achieve, that activates neural firing. In other words, neurons are brain cells spring into action. This neural firing leads to the production of proteins that enable new connections to be wired among the activated neurons. Remember, neurons that fire together, wire together, which is something they talk about a lot in the book. 
This entire process from neural activation to neural growth and strength and connections is neuroplasticity. Essentially, it means that the brain itself is plastic or changing based on what we experience and what we give our attention to. And these new neural connections created when we pay attention to something in turn alter the way we respond to and interact with our world. This is how practice can become a skill and how a state can become a trait for good or for bad. Then they go on to say, the point is, is that the physical architecture of the brain changes according to where we direct our attention and what we practice doing. So in essence, I think the really encouraging thing was, you know, sometimes we can get stuck in saying, well, this is just the way I'm wired. I'm just this type of person. Mm -hmm. This is just how it's always going to be. And, and they're making a case for the fact that we can actually change the way the architecture of our brain. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking with goal setting, with the truths and lies that we believe about ourselves, with how we speak to our kids, with how we teach our kids to think, Mm -hmm. with our actions, with our attitudes, we can actually rewire our brain to become more of that person that we want to be, or to be that healthier, more holistic, wholehearted person. There's so much more I could say on this, but I think that when people say, oh, that's just the way I'm wired, it's an excuse because they don't really want to change whatever that behavior is. They don't want to put in the hard work that is required. And like this book talks about, it's not the kind of thing that it's going to happen overnight. It's not like you just flip a switch. You do it over and over and over and over again. And it reminds me of the scripture that talks about renewing our minds Mm -hmm. and how we have to change our thoughts in order to change our actions and that we have to know the truth and believe the truth and remind ourselves of the truth, do that over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. for it to actually sink in and seep in and become truth to us. So again, that was The Whole Brain Child. It's by Daniel J. Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. All right, Jesse, I gave you a list of questions on pregnancy. Most of them were directed at me, but I think some of them, (laughs) I think some of them are ones that both of us are going to want to give some input on. So fire away. Okay. First question. And I would be shocked with your answer on this one. Okay. Kind of just set it up for you. Do you use a pregnancy tracking app? If so, which is it? And what do you like about it? I actually do. No, you have an app on your phone for tracking your pregnancy. Believe it or not. I actually, you know, that I was really sick and trying to. Must have been up late one night. Yes. Distract myself from the nausea one night. (laughs) I don't know. It was probably two months ago. And so I went to the app store and just looked for all the free pregnancy apps. And I looked at the reviews and I downloaded, I think probably six of them, believe it or not. And then kind of looked through them and then narrowed it down to one and of course deleted the others. But I actually have two apps. I have the what to expect app and that just kind of gives you a week by week sort of where your baby's at, how many days are left, 
um, the size of your baby, what you should be feeling, just kind of some interesting facts. And I've used that with the kids to kind of show them, oh, this is the size of the baby. This is how much the baby weighs approximately. Oh, the eyelids are now they can open. There's eyelashes. It just tells you little tidbits like that. So is that pretty much the book in app form? I haven't read the book in so long. I have no idea. I remember you used to have it. He's referring to the what to expect when you're expecting book for the two people on the planet that might not know about that book. <laughs> I don't even know how, how many millions of copies it sold. But then I also downloaded a contraction timer, which seems a little early for me to download that. But I usually start having Braxton Hicks. I actually started this time having Braxton Hicks contractions, I think when I was 17 weeks along and they just get progressively worse. And so I downloaded it because a few weeks ago I was having some pretty regular consistent contractions and I just wanted to time them to make sure that they weren't kind of in the, oh, I need to call my doctor mm-hmm. zone, which it was fine. I seem to remember you always would get Braxton Hicks pretty early on. As yes. Well. And they always say, oh, Braxton Hicks don't hurt. I don't know who made up that theory, but my Braxton Hicks contractions sometimes are very painful, but I just see every single one of them as, oh, this is just getting me one step closer to an easier birth. So that's how I view them. Question number two. Are you worried about the age gap? I want another baby, but my kids are older now. Well, we didn't plan this child. We didn't plan this age gap. It was a really amazing, wonderful surprise because most of you who know our story know that we were told we could never have any more kids because of fertility issues. And we had been trying for a lot of years and we've actually never used birth control and we hope to have a lot of kids. So this was a huge surprise and one that we never imagined. And so it's just a real dream come true. And the age gap to me, it's a little weird because on the one hand, it kind of feels like I'm having this first time pregnancy again because it's been so long. And so I feel like a lot has changed in the last 10 years or actually 11 years since the last time I was pregnant. And then also, I think because I never expected that this was going to happen again and had really kind of grieved that loss and shut that door Mm -hmm. and moved on, there's this kind of sense of it feels more like a first time pregnancy just because I feel like there's been more worry and anxiety for me that I've had to work through, which I think we'll talk about in another question. But um, as far as the age gap, the kids are so excited and it is really fun since I, you know, we had um, three kids in four years. And so then to have them be older now mm-hmm. and they just have gotten to be on this journey with us and they don't remember what it was like for me to be pregnant. And so the whole experience for them has just, <laughs> I don't even know a word for it. Sometimes I feel like they're way more excited about mm-hmm. this baby than us. And that's saying a ton because we're extremely excited. And I'm excited for them, you know, to see them come alongside the baby and, and, get to experience this as a family. I mean, this was something that they wanted for a long time too. Mm. They were always asking, you know, can we have another one? Can we have another one? And that's when we found out that, well, no, medically we probably could not have another one. Mm -hmm. Um, God had a different plan for us, uh, amazingly. But now we do have siblings that are younger than us by quite a bit. And that is something that we're going to need to be intentional about with the age gap because we Mm -hmm. need need to realize, yes, there are going to be some issues that need to be addressed with that, but we know they're there. 
we acknowledge them and we're going to you know, work through it. Well, and as far as issues, your youngest brother is how many years younger than you? 22. Yes. Because your parents had him after we got married. And then my youngest brother is 17 years younger than me. So he was two or three. Mm-hmm. See, well, he would have been actually, he had just turned four, I guess, when we got married. And so it is, there's different dynamics with that. And so we've talked a lot with the kids about them having to really be intentional in building that relationship because it's very different when there is the big age gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, but we're super excited. And I think one more thing that I will say on this is I always before could only picture babies and toddlers because that's all I had. Mm-hmm. And so when you were pregnant, you were thinking of this child being a baby and being a toddler. But now it's this really cool thing because I have a just turned 15 year old. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of this baby as growing up and the personality and all of the wonderful things that we get to experience as this child grows that we didn't even know was a possibility because we'd never had an older child before. Right, because we were talking here the other day and just all the kids, we were sitting around chatting about it and it was like, we have one almost at the tail end of the process and we have one that's going to be starting out at the process and and talking about what we had gone through in, in starting her education and how we kind of developed that and what we were wanting to do with how she would learn things and being very intentional with that and seeing that through the process with all of our kids. And then we can go back and say, Hey, we get to start that over again. Mm -hmm. And it was really exciting. And we get to hopefully do things a little bit differently based Mm -hmm. upon or doing some of the things and some of the stuff we're planning to do exactly the same. So next question. All right. Number three. How do you deal with the fatigue and exhausted feelings? I'm in the second trimester with my first. We did a podcast. I'm not sure which episode it is, but it was four strategies for surviving exhausting seasons or something like that. We'll link to it in the show notes. But that really walks through some of my best strategies and encouragement for what to do. And it is hard. And I will just say, give yourself a ton of grace because you are creating a life while God's creating it in you, but your body is doing all the work to create this life and it's taking a lot out of you and you need to give yourself a lot of grace. And Jesse, you'll, you know, I give myself a lot of grace and there's been a whole lot more napping and a whole lot more laying down and a whole lot of saying no and really having to pace myself and give myself that permission that it's okay that I'm going to be going at a much slower pace during this time period because that is what is priority right now. Mm -hmm. Along with that, the next question is, do you have advice for someone who has a lot of anxiety around pregnancy and childbirth? And, you know, I think that it's very interesting because the first three pregnancies, I didn't have much anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think in a sense, I kind of took pregnancy for granted. Mm Mm-hmm. We did struggle to get pregnant the first time around, but then after that, we, you know, Caitlin came along and then we were shocked whenever I got pregnant with Silas, whenever I was still nursing Caitlin Mm -hmm. almost exclusively. And I think that in a sense, I kind of took it for granted. I just had healthy pregnancies um, other than my health, but the babies were always really healthy. 
And I had natural births and really, I did have some complications, but it wasn't anything major. And so with this pregnancy, it's been different because I think it's the thing of, we never expected that this this would happen. Mm-hmm. And there's some sense of, I want to be super careful. And I think there is wisdom in being careful and being wise and all of that. But at the same time, I ultimately don't have control. And so over and over and over again, I've had to just go to God and give it to him and be like, you allowed this to happen. You have placed this child in my womb and I am going to trust you with this. And it's, it's like we talked about the renewing your mind saying it over and over and over again. I've had to claim the promises of his faithfulness over and over and over again and remind myself of the truth. Mm -hmm. And sometimes also remind myself that there are a lot of hormones coursing through my body that affect the way that my brain thinks. And so Jesse's Mm -hmm. doing a vicious nodding of his head right now. (laughs) Lots of hormones hormones coursing through my body. Yeah. All right. Next question. And this was for me for going into this third trimester. Okay. Um, do you have advice for Jesse for supporting wives when they're super sick in pregnancy? Do I have advice? Oh, wait you? a minute. I misread it. It's advice from Jesse. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you were really hoping yeah, that I was going to- Yeah, I was, I was to give me some ideas for the next next semester or trimester. Semester. <laughs> I'd love for you to just talk about ways that you have really come alongside me this pregnancy because I feel like that's the beauty and benefit of number four. Mm-hmm. is that we've done this three times. And so you kind of know the groove and know how to just, how it goes. Honestly, the main thing is really being there to meet whatever needs that you have and giving you grace to be able to rest. That's the biggest thing. And having an understanding heart to know, hey, you don't need to be up and doing X, Y, and Z. You need to be resting and taking care of yourself. And I think that you've also been really gracious with the hormones and recognizing that this is part of the process. Definitely. <laughs> and also the weird cravings and, and learning that, you know, sometimes just go get the burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> you know, the budget has to go out the window or we move things around in the budget, mm-hmm. which we have done to uh, be more flexible. And I think you've also just really been willing to say, I'm going to step in and help. I'm also going to be okay with things being really simple. And I also recognize that she just can't do as much right now. And that's okay. Yeah. That's the being understanding part. All right. Did you take any medications to help with nausea? I did. And this was my first pregnancy to take medication. It's also my first pregnancy to have an OB instead of a midwife, which has kind of been an interesting and different sort of experience. And when I found out that I was pregnant, I was coming into kind of some of the most intense five or six weeks of my life, not maybe my life, but of the year for sure, because I had a lot of travel, a lot of speaking, a great big launch. I was um, signing a book deal. And there was just so much going on that without pregnancy, I had been looking ahead for months Mm -hmm. to this time period going, wow, that's going to be a lot. And I had told you, hey, this is coming up. 
it just kind of everything converged was the confluence of a lot of things that came together. And so when I had my first appointment with my OB, I said, "Um, is there any way that you could give me some medication that if I'm going to throw up, it will keep me from throwing up if I'm on the stage or speaking or in a really important meeting? And so she gave me Phenergen and she gave me a really low dose of it. I only took it as needed. And so I took it every single flight for those first 12 weeks, which I had a lot of flights because I was getting very airsick on the flight. So I took it for the flights and that was a huge, huge help. And then I took it before I would speak, before I went into any meeting or any time that I needed to be on and I couldn't throw up. So I did that. Also, I had been taking magnesium for at least a few years before I got pregnant, which I have heard that it takes a while for your body to build up stores of magnesium, but that can be really helpful with morning sickness. So I continued to take magnesium. And then also at night, I took Unisom to help me be able to sleep because especially when the nausea is so strong, it would keep you up at night. And so Unisom would help me to be able to not wake up so often, really sick to my stomach. And I think the other thing that was super helpful to me in the first trimester was making myself eat, even though that was the last thing that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And it felt so counterintuitive when you're so sick to your stomach to eat. And this was something that I learned in my first two pregnancies that always before, if I have a stomach bug, my natural inclination is just don't eat. Like you just don't eat until you stop feeling nauseous. The problem was in my first two pregnancies, I got just so much sicker as a result of not eating because then I was very faint and then I lost weight. And if your stomach is empty for me, that just makes me more sick. But I didn't realize this. And so it took me till my third pregnancy with Silas that I realized, oh, if I eat, I actually feel better, Mm -hmm. even though it feels like the worst thing you can be doing after you eat within a little while, you'll usually feel a little bit better. So I made myself eat every two hours, sometimes even closer together than that, than that, just made sure that my stomach was never, ever empty. And that did seem to help. Are you going natural this time? Oh, great question. I love talking all things birth, especially when it comes to just natural birth experiences, because I had three really great birth experiences. Caitlin's was a little bit harder because I was anemic. So I had to be induced at 38 weeks because I was so sick. And so she wasn't ready to be born. And I was so anemic that there was no way that they could give me any pain meds anyway. Um, I couldn't have an epidural because the platelet counts were so low. And so that delivery was a challenge, but I still overall ended up having a great birth experience. And Catherine's was a little traumatic too. Well, Catherine, she had, what's it called? Like, is it called like neutral hand something or other? Something like that. She she, came out with a hand on her face. She came out with her hand on her face. And so I tore and hemorrhaged pretty significantly and I didn't know any different. So my recovery with her was weeks and weeks and weeks And I just thought that was normal. And I was Mm -hmm. like, how are these other moms just jumping up and going and doing things within a week of having their baby? Like, I feel like I have got run over by a semi truck and then they backed up over me and I don't even want to move. And come to find out later on, 
hemorrhaging will do that to you, especially when you severely hemorrhage. So, but her birth wasn't traumatic. Her birth was fast. Her birth was fast and it was beautiful. And it was, you know, I was so glad that we had the midwives at the freestanding birth center. Caitlin's was in the hospital, but again, with a midwife, again, all natural, again, fairly fast for it, me being induced. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Silas's birth, I feel like third time's a charm. (laughs) This went the best out of all of them. It was amazing and very fast. I was almost a week overdue and they had told me, they had checked me a few days before and they said, you're plus three station, which plus four station is the baby's crowning. So they said, no wonder you, you feel like you have a bowling ball between your legs. And if you have one strong contraction, you need to get in the car and get here because the birth center was 45 minutes away. So I had one strong contraction. I called you, we called the birth center and you called your parents. They came over to get Caitlin and we got in the car. By the time I had gotten there, oh, and I ate the Arby's sandwich on the way to- Yeah, we had to stop there. <laughs> we had to stop and get Arby's because I hadn't eaten enough and I knew I was going to need energy for the birth. So I'm literally leaning over the front seat on my knees. On the floorboard. On the floorboard, eating my Arby's sandwich. And I had three strong contractions in the car on the way there. So they were very far apart, but they were really strong contractions. And so when I got there, I was dilated to a six- And they actually didn't think that I was in labor because I kind of walked in and was smiling and joking. And they're like, well, let's check you. And then they checked me. They're like, oh, you are in active labor. And then he was born, I think, an hour and a half later. Mm -hmm. And didn't tear, didn't hemorrhage, just really amazing birth experience and was able to kind of walk out of there within a few hours. And I remember thinking, I can't believe I just had a baby. I feel so good. Yeah. And the problem with that was that I felt so good that I did not take care of myself. So I learned a lot of lessons with Catherine and Caitlin's birth about how to have a better birth because Mm -hmm. one of my big issues is always my personality is I have a lack of patience. So when I Hmm. get to the pushing part, I just push that baby out of there. And that's why I tear and that's why I have issues. So with Silas, I literally looked around the room. There were multiple people there because I always invite people to my births. And I said, okay, we're going to do this in three pushes and I'm not going to push this baby out in one big push. So it that really helped me that I kind of had a plan and I said, this is how it's going to go down, which is funny. But anyway, that's that's how I am. And so the birth was great, but then I felt so good that I overdid it within the first few months and then had postpartum depression and really it took me, I would say like a good year and a half before I kind of sprang back from all of mm-hmm. that. Um, just because I way overdid it. I didn't take time off. I was back working online within 24 hours and all that. So I think that I learned a lot, hopefully about birth, how to birth well, but then also how to recover well as a result of all the things that I did wrong. So my hope with this is I'd love to have another natural birth, but we always say that if my health or the baby's health is in danger, we do whatever it takes. You know, we just throw all of our preconceived hopes out the window. And so I hope to have another natural birth and, but we'll see. And then my biggest hope is to do a lot better job of actually having a recovery period because 
I have never actually had a maternity leave in the past. And that's my big hope for this time is having a four week maternity leave, which doesn't mean that I will be completely offline, but it means that I'm going to cut way, way back and only do a few things that bring me a lot of life during the four week period when I am inspired and have the energy to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see. That's my plan. But only God knows. And so we hope to be bringing you a birth story podcast sometime in May. I'm due April 30th. So hopefully sometime in May, if I have energy and am inspired when I'm on my maternity leave, we will record a birth story podcast for you all. That's the plan. So we'll see what God has. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer in a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.